welcome to Holler Back with the 606. My name is Stacey Fugit. I'm a political science major and a Appalachian Studies minor here at the University of Kentucky. And I hope to one day go to law school, practice for a few years, and eventually open a nonprofit in Eastern Kentucky. Um, that's a little about a little bit about me and my aspirations and my co-host. Hey guys, I'm Michael Hamilton, and I'm a senior here at the University of Kentucky. And I'm also a political science major with an Appalachian Studies minor. I'm originally from Johnson County in Eastern Kentucky. Stacy's from Hazard, and she's, you know, she just didn't want to say that. I don't know why. Um, but I am planning to go to law school and eventually work in policy and work with um, Eastern Kentucky and make some change. Yeah, so this podcast is a little bit um, about Appalachians, talking about Appalachia and Appalachian issues and just things that um, we have found being students at a large university um, that other people, you know, outsiders of our region find interesting. And so it's going to be a hodgepodge of a little bit of everything. And we have a lesson plan for it now, but, you know, it's always subject to change. And today we have a special guest, as we will um, on most episodes of our podcast, and his name is Cameron French. Cam, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Um, so my name is Cameron. I'm a junior at UK. Um, I'm studying community and leadership development with a minor in political science. I'm from Campton, Kentucky, and I want to use my degree to um, kind of work in policy and lobbying work. Um, specifically on legislation that affects minority and marginalized communities. So, Yeah, so today's show is going to just be a brief introduction. And um, we're going to talk about our you know, lives and experiences as people from Eastern Kentucky um, at a large state school like UK. Um, just different things that we've faced, whether it's misconceptions or, you know, how people from our area are supported. Um, and just kind of talk through how we feel um, as students here. Yeah, and a little disclaimer, um, all of these experiences are our own. Uh, we don't like to generalize in these parts, so um, you know we don't wanna speak for the rest of Appalachia, just know that we're speaking as Eastern Kentuckians, and yes, I am from Hazard, and I would never be ashamed of that. Please do not ever put that evil on me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, first, I kinda wanna talk about our experiences of being from Appalachia, which is kind of like our own little corner of the world, and going to UK, or you know, this can also, I'm sure, be applicable to going to any large um, university. Yeah, so I'm from Hazard, and that's about two hours away from Lexington. Um, and in high school, I knew that you, first of all, I knew that UK was the school that I wanted to go to. Um, Big Blue Nation, you know, you were raised on yeah. Kentucky Bat Go Cats. You were raised on Kentucky basketball, and it's just, it's one of those things. So it's where I always wanted to go. Um, and, you know, as I got closer and closer to senior year, I had always heard, you know, UK is a big school. And, you know, I mean, words have always just kind of rolled off my back. So I never really thought too much into that or how that would affect me because um, in small eastern Kentucky towns, it's really kind of easy to be a big fish in a little pond um but those words actually didn't hit me until I came here and fall semester of my freshman year I had 400 people in an economics class when 
in a single economics class when my entire high school had 386 kids, roughly. So, 86. Listen to me giving, like, an exact number. Roughly, roughly 386, exactly. <laughs> but, who's, but who's counting? Am I right? Somebody from Hazard's going to hear this and be like, liar. Um, <laughs> roughly. <laughs> roughly 386, <laughs> exactly. But. <laughs> um, so, yeah. That was kind of the biggest transition and challenge for me, I would say, is just really coming here and experiencing that, like, shell shock of, like, oh, my goodness, I really do have to work harder to make myself known or to, you know, find my group of people because there are just so many to choose from. Um, I would agree with everything you just said. And um, kind of rolling off that, like, similar to Stacy, I was really involved in high school um, I'm from pretty close to where she's from in um, Wolf County. And I had built up a reputation for myself in high school where I was involved in everything. Um, everybody kind of knew who I was. Um, and then when I got to UK, um, I felt like it took a while for me to find my place and find my people. Um and so before I did, I was I was really uncomfortable on campus. I didn't really um, I didn't really do anything other than go to class and go home and hang out with the people that I had known before I even got to campus. So um, I wasn't really putting myself out there. Um, so I re- I I struggled with my mental health because. Um, I just felt like, you know, when am I going to like find my place on this huge campus? And um, right, exactly, exactly. So um, that was a struggle for me just because I'd become accustomed to kind of, you know, having so many opportunities thrown my way. Um, But yeah, that's. Yeah, so I have a bit different of a take on the, you know, UK so big, you know, you're, you're going to get lost, you know, big, big fish in a small pond at home, small fish in the big sea at college. Like for me, I'm in a similar boat that Cam was in and that I kind of involved myself in everything in high school just because, you know, there was a small group of us that were really motivated and driven and mm-hmm. we were just down to, you know, accomplish whatever and, and get involved. And so for me, I kind of liked the idea of going to a place where people wouldn't know everything about me, every member of my family. And, you know, if I did something wrong, my dad would find out before I even got home that day. So um, I was kind of excited to kind of get to UK and and create my own path. Um, And for me, I, I found it pretty easy to do. I got involved pretty quickly in student government specifically. And, um, a few other places on campus and I kind of found my niche and and good friends and um but one thing that throughout my time and specifically relating to being from eastern Kentucky is that it was hard for me to find a community of people who are also from eastern Kentucky and I think that we can all attest to the fact that if you see like a 606 number pop up on your phone or you meet somebody from eastern Kentucky there's just like an instant connection there and an instant yeah it doesn't matter yeah you could be total opposite ends of the political spectrum or have totally different views on life but they're there for you and I didn't realize how important that was for me and so going through college, you know, predominantly in circles of people who weren't from the area, I kind of noticed that 
I wanted that. And um, I didn't find out about places like the Appalachian Center or, you know, other resources that students from Appalachia or Eastern Kentucky use until really my senior year when I got involved with my app studies minor. And so I'd say, you know, my experience was always wanting a community of people who understood and who got it and who knew all those quirky things that we all know and, and that we all get asked about. Um, and so, one, I'm really thankful that I found that community, you know, through college. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wish that somebody had told me about it way earlier because it's really cool and it's really fun to kind of connect with people who have a similar background as you and kind of understand. Yeah, and it's crazy because um, if you were active in certain um, activities in high school, then that those groups of people kind of carry over to college. And one really good example of that that I really did not realize until – so me and Michael both did the Appalachian Renaissance Initiative um, through the Kentucky Valley Educational Co-op. And so – we did that in high school, and that was our junior and senior year. And then we get to college, and I mean, you know, me and Michael didn't interact that much in high school, but I actually have a picture with him from 2015. Oh, the gym that is. <laughs> oh, we were, we were not looking our best, folks. Um, but, and so, you know, I get on campus, and Michael's a year ahead of me. I'm also a junior, um, same as Cam. And like the further our friendship had progressed, I realized I was like, I know Michael Hamilton from somewhere. And then it just hit me and I was like, oh my goodness, we did this extracurricular in high school. And I feel like that's common with a lot of people. Um, I don't know if that's just a UK and Eastern Kentucky thing, but like, um, you know, all of my friends from high school, they still, like we all still hang out with each other, even in college. Um, My best friend from high school, we live together today. So it's like, it was really unique. I think one thing that, thing that that we face is that a lot of people from our high schools graduate and they'll go to one of the regional, regional universities that are kind of closer to home or where a lot of people that they know go. So like Eastern Kentucky University, Moorhead State, University of Pikeville, um, places like that. And I think that they go and kind of immediately find that network of people that they've known for a while. and. You know, a lot of in a lot of ways, I wanted to use college as a time to make new friends and have new experiences, and so I kind of always, I, I didn't really understand why people wanted to go, you know, somewhere where they already knew half the people who went there, mm-hmm. but as I've progressed through and and kind of, you know, fought my own challenges and things like that, I can definitely see why that was appealing now and. Um, I think that you know we see friends who go to those universities who immediately find their network and know people, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like you come here and you're in this sea you are of stranded, <laughs> strangers, I yeah. And so, and again, like I said, when so when you find somebody, and you know, I eventually made that connection with Stacy and Cam and a good group of kids from Eastern Kentucky who were Robinson Scholars. I really always enjoyed going to Old Baldwin Hall and hanging out with everybody because it was like it was just like being home yeah it really was that's what it felt like and so and you know I would not trade my time at Baldwin Hall um um and that's because agreed 
all of the all, all of the dorms on campus today they're super nice, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. not that Baldwin wasn't super nice, but it was one of the one of the three um, dormitories on campus that didn't have any dividers mm-hmm. between you know you and your roommate. So um, my roommate was the last thing I saw at night, and the first thing that I saw <laughs> in the morning, and it was that way for a whole year. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah. like I think that's like so traditional, and mm-hmm. I just. I love that, and it definitely made us grow closer together. Right. Yeah. And so I think I'd like to hear from both of you guys. I, I wasn't a Robinson Scholar, um, but I respected that program so much because it was kind of a good segue for me to find a really fun group of people from Eastern Kentucky to kind of associate with and, and become friends with. And so I just wanted to hear a little bit about both of your perspectives, being in the program and kind of what that was like and kind of how that may have changed your experience from someone who didn't, you know, have that network of people. Yeah, so Cam, do you want to explain a little bit about why Robinson is? Yeah, I can give, like, the background. Um, So Robinson Scholars, um, the program, um, was a two-part program, the high school portion and the college portion. Um, So students would apply um, when they were freshmen in high school for the program. you had to be a first-generation college student from um, the service area, and the service area was um, eastern Kentucky counties who received Cole Severance dollars. Um, so you're competing your entire time through high school from freshman to the end of your junior year. Um, so at the end of your junior year, you and the applicants um, that had been previously selected um, will then fill out the application for the actual scholarship. So um they were had the Robinson Scholars program previously offered a full ride scholarship to the University of Kentucky for every single county. So every single county in the service area was guaranteed a full ride. I think it was so the next so the the full ride was um, named the Legacy Scholarship, and then there was the Excellence Scholarship, and I believe that that was five thousand, and it was the yeah it was five thousand a year, and it's for the next top ten. Yeah. Um, students and they determine that based on you know because you ha- we had to do like an interview and it's a whole extensive process so the next top 10 students yeah, still yeah we, still um, have we still have expectations today so basically you still have to do community service we do 40 hours of community service a year um, you have to be involved in an extracurricular you have financial wellness um, general wellness, general wellness. Um, I'm trying to think of all the stuff that we have to do yeah, um, um, it's a long list, actually. Yeah, which I mean, it's it's a small price to pay when you think about it. it right. Getting, you know, yeah. Like full, full full ride um, um, to the flagship university, but the I think one of the best thing, two of the best things about the program is number one, um, you not only had to complete these requirements to stay in the program, but if you wanted to be competitive against you know the other students in your county that you're competing against for the full ride you needed to go above and beyond those requirements. Right. So even, you know, let's say you went above and beyond and at the end of your junior year when you applied for the scholarship, you just, you didn't make the cut, whether it was your interview or, you know, someone would just better had a better resume or what have you, um, you still had a very extensive and impressive resume. Yeah. So I think that's really important. And mm-hmm. also, like, go, being required to go to these, uh, these Robinson events throughout our high school career, it... We didn't realize it at the time, don't get me wrong. 
But <laughs> by the time we got to UK, we already had a developed network of friends that we lived in the same right. building with um, of, you know, 40 plus people right. at any given time. And I think yeah. that's really special. Yeah. And one thing um, going off of what Stacy said um, in reference to like building the resume, um, the Robinson staff worked with students who maybe didn't get the scholarship or decided, you know, UK is not the place I see myself going for four years. Um, they worked with you to make sure that you made an educated decision on where you were going to end up going to school. Um, and they did that throughout our time in high school. So um, not only did they allow, give us an opportunity um, educationally through the scholarship, but they made sure that we were going to be successful after high school graduation, regardless of if we were at UK or not. Yeah. Yeah. And so then comes the sad news of um, the dismantlement, to say the least, of the program. Um, and it's, you know, it's not completely dismantled. There is still a Robinson uh, Scholars, a Robinson Scholarship, I should say, um, that you can apply for, you know as a freshman um I'm it's a lot of gray area for me it's pretty hazy just because I don't really have to apply for it so I don't know the specifics if either of you do my brother um is a senior in high school right now so he has applied to UK um is applying for the Robinson scholarship um but I think the difference now is there's not a like it's not a guaranteed full ride number one um, there are not secondary scholarships. So the way it is worded is that the amount you are going to be given by the university is contingent upon your family's estimated contribution to your education. Um, so I think that's the difference. Like, as I understand it, Michael so, may be able yeah. to give a little bit more information about it. Give a little more background. So over the past few years, um, UK has implemented a scholarship structure called LEADS, um, and the objective of that is to get students financial, you know, the, I'm trying to think of how to say it is, is to get students unmet financial need to $5,000 or less. And so when the cuts happened to Robinson Scholars, the university was out all the money that the state had been contributing to the program, um, and it was pretty abrupt. They got a year to restructure and find a way to help the program continue to keep serving those, you know, service counties in that area um, or our area. And so I think given the, the circumstances they were in, it was they did the best they could with the situation they were put in. So now, like Cameron was saying, they um, – figure up basically what your unmet need is based on other scholarships you receive or other, you know, grants and um, things that you qualify for. And they try to use the pool of money that they've kind of scraped together to, to sustain the program um, to get that need to $5,000 or less. Um, and so although the, you know, the programming component of it is gone, there is still a really good support network for, first-generation students on campus. We have the first-gen office, and there are 
so many staff dedicated to helping students and going above and beyond what their job titles require them to do. And so I'm, I'm thankful that the office is still able to service students, even though it's not as intense or, um, you know, programmatic. Uh, the money is still there and, they can, and students still are provided a segue to other resources that they can use um, to kind of work through challenges that first-generation students face. Um, also, I just wanted to note that the blame was not all on the university um, oh, yeah, no. on the restructuring. So we, we did have a budget cut from the state legislature yeah. um, who had previously provided um, money to the program. Um, and so I think it was 2017 that was cut. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. but yeah. And with that being said, I think that now we're faced with, you know, where is that community going to be built and right. how do we encourage students who are worried about, you know, going to a big school or, you know, not knowing anybody, how can we bridge that gap? And I think that, you know, it's, it's an unanswered question right now. Um, UK does a great job of encouraging students to get involved and to join a club and to, to get the most out of their college experience. Uh, but there's just, like we've all said, there's something unique about having a good organized group of people from where you're from that you can go and connect with. If you're feeling homesick, just being around people who sound like you and who are from, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes up the road from you is, is comforting and it feels like home. And so I think as a community, as we move forward and as we leave from the university, you know, I think keeping in the back of our minds how important that was for even if it wasn't for you, the people that you love and care about and finding a way to, you know, give back and, and find a way to make sure that those opportunities are, are brought back because it's unfortunate higher ed across the board has been cut tremendously. And so, um, unfortunately decisions have to be made and right. this was just on the negative end of that. Um, and so, and that's, so that's how we decided that we're, that's going to be our non <laughs> Yeah, that's, Stacy and I, when we grow up, we're going to, we're going to help kids go to college and make sure they have we fun. We decided that yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. Um, <laughs> you heard it here first. We're speaking it into existence, and now we have to be held accountable, yeah. accountable because you just can't erase things. Um, so we talked about our experiences, and I think that we kind of, like, segued into this a lot is just a challenge, a challenge that we have faced being from Appalachia. So I think that we talked about that, but one thing that I didn't say is people are gonna hate me for saying this but y'all when I was in high school I can't really recall a time that I was told no about anything never met her I don't know I had to look that word up in the dictionary when I got to the University of Kentucky because (laughs) it's like I was one of those kids too that was involved in every single thing that I could get my hands on and I just you know I don't know if I automatically clicked with people because I'm easy going or you know it's just you don't really have that much to choose from so you just had to click with people in high school you know small towns but uh, I applied to be um, in student government's leadership development program Um, and this is actually this is really topical and funny actually because Michael is the student body president of um, the University of Kentucky and so I'm bringing my complaints forward to him from three years ago disclaimer I was not the student body president that Appalachian, yeah. Um, 
I'm short. But, yeah, so that was – and, like, honestly, it was crucial. I don't resent anyone or – you know, I'm a part of the Student Government Association now. I found my place. I found my people. Um, but I just remember that being the first real time that I've ever been told no. Yeah, so that was one challenge that I faced because it's just so easy to be involved when you're from a smaller school, but that's, like, common <laughs> sense. <laughs> one challenge that I've faced – so, by way of background here, um, I was involved in a few programs in high school where we would travel and compete against people from not just other states, but other countries. And so, being, you know, a small kid from eastern Kentucky, I had a thick old accent. And <laughs> it's still around, and it comes out when I'm mad or upset about something. Or but <laughs> Or when I'm around Stacy for too long. Um, but regrettably... You know, after being asked so many stupid questions, whether it be if I have running water or if I know what the internet is, I chose to kind of correct my accent a little bit. And so when I got to UK, I was, you know, thankfully successful in different things and um, kind of climbed through student government and made a space for myself there and kind of, you know, forged a path. But, um, people had no clue that I was from Eastern Kentucky because I didn't quote unquote sound like it. And so one of the biggest challenges and, and kind of biggest disappointments I've faced is when I tell people that I'm from Eastern Kentucky there, it's always like a, Oh, there's no way. Are you serious? Mm -hmm. You know? And which hurts. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, no. Yeah. What do you mean? mean? (laughs) Like, And so I've noticed that as a challenge and not just with like, you know, professors or or staff members. It's it's with friends, too. I mean, I'll friends I've had all through college. And when I tell them where I'm from, they're like, oh, you don't seem like that. I'm like, well, what what does it seem like? You know, I mean, I don't really get because because it just unveils this preconceived, you know, negativity or assumption that people from Appalachia or Eastern Kentucky specifically can't achieve or or they're not supposed to. And by not supposed to, I mean they're not actively like working against us, but it's just why is it such a surprise when, you know, a successful student is from Eastern Kentucky? And so now one of the biggest challenges I face is just letting people know that's where I'm from and that's that I'm proud to be from there and kind of working through those channels because Really, I mean, people only ask you where you're from if you have a thick old accent. And we're preaching to the choir. <laughs> yeah, Stacy gets that a lot, but every day, truly. I literally, um, I took a few classes with Cameron our freshman year. You can ask him. I, I was not speaking in those classes. I didn't. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's upsetting to me because it's upsetting to me now yeah, too because now I never it's just. Up, but. but at least you figured out to embrace it and know that it's like a really awesome part of our identity to be where we're from. Mm -hmm. And I think we're seeing a lot of younger people and students, especially not just our age, but, you know, younger than us are really owning it and making it a center point of their identity. When I think in the past, it was just easier to kind of change your accent and act like you weren't from there, you know. Yeah. I don't know what happened between senior year of high school, Stacy, and freshman year of college, Stacy, because senior year of high school, like, um, we used to do these um, 
these seminars, Socratic seminars of in one of my calculus classes, and we talked about Appalachian stereotypes, and there, I have found, I'm a very calm person, but there's just nothing that will make me come over a table on someone faster than that, and I was so angry just sitting in these Socratic seminars, you know, surrounded by people that are also angry for the same reasons, and then I get here to UK, and again, I think it's just because, like, while those words made me angry, I had never had, like, a real person come up to me and be like, where are you from? Oh, you made it here? Oh, you graduated high school? Oh, you can, you're literate. <laughs> oh, you know? And I never really, like, had that happen until, you know, I got to UK, and that's when, for me, the the switch kind of flipped of, like, yeah, I'm an Appalachian and I'm proud, and then I got here and I was like, oh, people, like, genuinely think this and they're not afraid to say it and you know it doesn't always come from a place of malice it just it's disheartening to say the least and so um there was a a moment in time when Stacy didn't speak very much and well I think it's too I think it's in part because of the way that obviously the way that media portrays people from Appalachia but also so many people from Appalachia have just embraced the stereotypes and kind of perpetuate them which it's it's our story and it, you know it's our right to make light of it but i think that that has played into other people thinking oh like this is just a universally accepted thing and we can right. like crack that joke too when in all actuality it's like no like you don't get to do that <laughs> like i know that it's your story to perpetuate and you know blow out of proportion however much you want but that doesn't help the rest of us yeah. um right. And that's something that we talked about in our first Appalachian Studies course, which I thought was really interesting because I had never, like, I hadn't seen that many instances of that happening. Well, um, just interjecting, one thing that, like, when I took App 200, like, an example they used of, like, folks from, like, Eastern Kentucky perpetuating those stereotypes that I had never really gone up was, like, Hillbilly Days in Pikeville. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Which, not a drag on Hillbilly Days at all. No. Great festival. You should definitely go. Great music. But yeah, I've never really gone over that way. Mm-hmm. And it, like, it opens up a lot of different perspectives because you don't know whether to be angry at the person who's right. doing that. I mean, like, you want to be angry, but at the same time, like, that's their story, too. Mm-hmm. You know, don't get me wrong if it's somebody from Los Angeles, California coming in, open a business, call it hillbilly golf whatever um also i feel bad when i say hillbilly golf but like that's the only thing you know that sport you've never played hillbilly golf you've never it's like you take pvc pipes and you make three tiers okay well that's what i've always heard it called and i feel terrible that was where uh-huh. my brain went too. <laughs> and there's literally like a hillbilly golf cup. So what do you call it with the strings? Like the sport with the strings and the golf balls on the end? I don't know. It's because it's hillbilly golf. <laughs> well, for, for now and forevermore, it'll be known as hillbilly golf. A, vo- a vocabulary lesson for you. I respect you, Stacey. Truly. Um, sure. Cam, are there any, like, any challenge specifically that you um, face? Because Stacey and I kind of occupied the, the air space. Well, I think that just, just one thing was like, just getting used to because I never really had to study in high school and then me yeah same (laughs) and so 
I mean, I remember nights that me and Stacy like spent the entire night at the library because we were just so nervous for like our tests. And I remember coming out of like my first PS 101 like exam <laughs> and I called my mom afterwards crying because I was like, I'm going to have to switch my major. <laughs> but like getting used to studying at the collegiate level was difficult. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like, no, 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 I agree. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I, I just don't think that a lot of high schools really teach you how to exactly. Yeah. And be successful in college. But moving on, what it, so we've talked about the challenges and the experience that we've had. What would we say is one of the most rewarding things that we've experienced here? Um, for me, I've, one of the most rewarding things that I've experienced personally is I love to, I don't want to say prove people wrong and sound like a, like a smart aleck or whatever. Um, but I would definitely say that one of the most rewarding things being from Appalachia is, you know, seeing other Appalachian students be successful and still, like, being proud of where they're from. Um, because very rarely have I seen somebody from Appalachia be, like, super successful at this university and, you know, be an alumni and then be like, oh, no, I'm not. I would never associate myself with that place because I mean it's special and so um, that's the most rewarding thing for me. Yeah so ditto again <laughs> to <laughs> Stacy. Uh, I think it's always and like I've said whenever I've had that moment where I've told people where I'm from and then they're like oh really like for me like on the surface level that's like oh like screw you it's like, like yeah. yeah but then I'm like oh like I'm showing them like mm -hmm. that this is possible and another component to that too is like whether you make the dean's list or, you know, like me, when I became student body president, like when that news is broken, everyone from home or anyone who like knows that you're from Eastern Kentucky Facebook is, Facebook. is, yeah, yeah. And it's, and it's not like just like blowing smoke. It's people are really proud that you're actively taking a role in correcting these stereotypes. Yeah. And so that's been one really rewarding thing for me is just like showing other students who are from the area that you can accomplish anything you want like don't go to UK and think that well everyone else is smarter than me or everyone else has more connections than me and can you know accomplish more like you like Appalachian people are some of the most driven and disciplined people and successful people that I know at UK and I want to use this you know podcast as a platform to tell other people from the area that you can do whatever you want and you should like it's important for you to come here and to be the best you can be and not be complacent because it means a lot to younger students and to people to older students and and everyone really that you're making a good name for the area and, and yeah. correcting some misconceptions but another thing that I've found really really rewarding is efforts by faculty members staff members who are associated with the App Center. Like Absolutely. they're connecting the university and the community to causes that are directly impacting like everyday life in Eastern Kentucky and just the research and the care that they have for the area and for just fighting for what's right is honestly super rewarding. And 
shout out Catherine Engel for opening my eyes to the App Center. You rock. <laughs> yeah, she went there. <laughs> but no, but seriously, there there's so many dedicated like faculty and staff that create a really rewarding and, and fun environment for students who want to engage in that work and want to be a part of it. And so yeah. really grateful for that. And I remember the first time I went to the App Center, I came out and I was it was either you or Justin that I told I was like yeah like, we're gonna go hang out there well, yeah, we, like you just walk into the app center and it's just like somebody's giving you a big warm hug mm-hmm. jane at the front desk love her love her um i have a couple of things <laughs> i'm proud of too um so the first is going off of michael's first point but um so not just um the idea of making people from back home proud of the progress that um a lot of us are making um but kind of cultivating this group of people from Eastern Kentucky specifically um, that kind of just like look out for one another on campus. So um, like the three of us and then, um, I mean, there's so many more um, 606ers out there that um, we each kind of look out for and make sure that um, they're doing okay. Um, Really makes me proud because, you know, we get to celebrate in – the success of each of those individuals on campus. Um, So building that community on campus was really something that I was proud of um, and proud to be a part of. But um, something that I'm really proud of is the ability to, you know, be here and have a seat at the table um, and um, go to a university, similar to Michael's second point, that believes that it's important to invest in Eastern Kentucky and Appalachia. So I remember a particular moment my freshman year um, when I was in um, SGA's LDP program um, and we got to interview um, President Capilouto. And so one of the questions we asked him was, you know, what is something that you are proud of? Like, what do you want your legacy to be um, after you leave campus? Um, And his response, literally like moved several of us to tears and it was um, on the basis of healthcare, um, which is something that I think is particularly important because people from Eastern Kentucky and Appalachia are disproportionately affected um, by disease, specifically cancer and heart disease and um, black lung. lung. Um, But he said something um, that I, I will probably never forget, but it was, he says that he believes that no Kentuckian should have to leave the state um, to have access to good health care. And as simple as that may seem to a lot of people, um, if you travel through Eastern Kentucky um, in communities like each of ours, um, you know how important that is to people and you know how life-changing that is to people. And so to go to a university where our president believes that, you know, people in Eastern Kentucky shouldn't have to travel to West Virginia or they shouldn't have to travel hours into Central Kentucky to receive good health care. We need to take our health care and our best practices and invest in those communities is something that I'm really proud of. And I'm proud to go to an institution that believes that that's important. Absolutely. And and it's powerful because, you know, nobody thinks if you have easy access to anything you would never think of it as an as a luxury you know we all have access to air i mean 
in this moment so we don't think of it as a, as a luxury but right. you know once we don't have that it's like obviously it's a basic need and right. things like that um but it's kind of the same with healthcare in eastern mm-hmm. kentucky um, um yeah and i would say just outside of like my personal experience the university i think is dedicated to its service mission to serve the entire state and i think that it's really intentional in serving eastern kentuckians especially with things like the heal grant i mean we won a multi-million dollar grant to do research on the opioid epidemic and in conversations i've had with dr capilouto that's like one of his topmost priorities because he knows that it affects Kentuckians. And so as an institution, we're not just dedicating ourselves to educating students and making sure that the student experience is great, but we're taking on the responsibility of serving Kentuckians and in that a unique focus on Eastern Kentuckians and and Appalachians. And so that's like huge to hear and to, to realize and see because you know, if you don't work in and engage in the circles that I've been fortunate enough to to participate in, then a lot of it might not go might might go unseen. But right. I think that once you get a look into that, and once you realize how much this place cares about Kentucky, right. it's just it totally changes the way you respect it. Yeah. And so, but so, going off of that, Michael, you know, I think that that further proves that the university is looking out for the best interest of our, of its students because this isn't when you have a student who has a parent or a family member who is who has been diagnosed with black lung or cancer or heart disease or is a victim of the op- opioid crisis that doesn't just affect them while they're at home it affect it affects their success while they're on campus mm-hmm. and so for the president and for um, the board of trustees and for faculty and staff to understand that, you know, we have to, um, as the president always is saying now, be the university for Kentucky because the outcomes of communities that students are coming from, that baggage is coming with them to campus. Um, so if we, if we want students to be able to succeed while they're here and after they graduate, we have to invest in the communities that they come from. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that was a really good segue into, you know, any closing statements that we may have. You know, we've talked about our experiences, our challenges, the most rewarding parts. Um, I'm thankful for being an Appalachian and being able to experience such a rich culture that maybe I didn't realize that I had before, um, ignorantly, of course. And... Yeah, I'm thankful to go to a university that um, still has room to improve, but there are always there's always room to improve in every single facet of your life. So um, we're making steps in the right direction. So very thankful for that. Um, yeah, and thank you for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking me. Um, what I'd say is, you know, I'm proud to go to a university that believes that Eastern Kentuckians and Appalachians deserve a seat at the table. Um, because not every institution is going to recognize that. Um, But yeah, I'm proud of where I come from. I'm proud of the people who come to UK who are from Eastern Kentucky and Appalachia as well. And um, I'm proud of the success they have while they're on campus. So yeah, and for me, you know, 
I think when I was at home, I was just itching to get out. Like, I think that I always said, I'll never come back. I, you know, I'm going to go get my degree and leave. And I really had a negative view of the area I was from. But being at UK and being surrounded by people who are so dedicated and motivated and driven to give back to Kentucky specifically has totally and completely changed the way I feel about home. Like, I'm so proud to be from Eastern Kentucky, and I'm proud to tell people that, and I could not have said that, you know, four years ago. And it was just because I was ignorant to it, and and I'm glad that I've learned from people who have servants' hearts, and I hope that that, you know, segues into a future where I can make a difference for people. And so thanks, UK. Shout out, you guys. And thank you all for tuning in to our first episode of Holler Back with the 606. I'm Stacy. And I'm Michael. And we'll holler at you later.